Good morning. Good to see you this morning. We usually start out with a real rousing song and get all um, happy to be here. This morning, we're going to start out a little bit quieter. I just want you to kind of focus on worship this morning and um, think about the words as we sing and just, just really focus in on uh, worshiping our Savior this morning. Would you stand with me as we begin and as we worship this morning? Focus in on Him. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether So highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to
who are in Christ this morning are underneath the blood and we have his forgiveness unmerited by us but given to us by him because of his love for us so I'm so so thankful um, that we can meet this morning and worship his name because of that so we welcome you this morning to our worship services and especially those of you who might be visiting with us and if you are, we just ask that you would take a care card that's in the pew uh, back in front of you and fill that information out and then give that to one of the staff members or you can put it in the box that's on one of the round tables in the foyer here of the sanctuary. 
We would just love to know of your visit with us so that we can reconnect with you once again. Then on the flip side of that card, we always have a room for prayer requests, and that's for anybody. If any of you uh, would like to share requests with us as a staff so that we can know how to pray for you, please put that on there and then also give that to us or put that in the, in the box on the round tables as well. So, uh, but welcome. So glad that you're here today. A um, couple of things for you this morning. Don't forget this afternoon at five o'clock, we have a very special called church conference, and that's to discuss um, the selling of our property across the street. And it is a time sensitive uh, matter. So tonight is going to be a meeting on that and discussion and a vote tonight. So uh, if you want to be a part of that decision-making process, our, our land steering committee has done an incredible job of working out all the figures and stuff. They will be presented. Uh, so uh, you be in prayer for them as they bring that to us tonight as a church body, and then we'll discuss it, and then we'll vote on it. So you find your way back tonight at 5 o'clock in this room for that very important meeting. Ladies, don't forget, on March the 10th uh, at 6 o'clock, uh, we're going to have another movie night. Um, you'd show up at 6 o'clock, and the movie starts at 6.30. Lots of good snacks to eat. Uh, it's open to all ladies, 6th grade and up, and the cost is $5. So put that on your calendar. Also, starting next week and going through April the 3rd is our spring discipleship class. It will meet in here in this room uh, at 5 o'clock. And uh, the topic will be how to turn regular conversations into gospel conversations. So I know that will be uh, a very intriguing class. So I hope you find your way back here uh, for those few weeks. The Sewing Hands Ministry will meet next Saturday, February 26th from 9.30 to 2. And next, week, next week's activity is making pillowcases uh, for the Dove's Nest and for the rebound. So I know you would want to be part of that, ladies. If you have any questions concerning that, uh, please contact Pat Connor or Carla Setzer. There's also coming up uh, a construction trip to Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, March the 10th through the 12th. Uh, there's a sign-up in the lobby for this, and if you have any questions about that trip, see Robbie Jones. Uh, also coming up uh, April the 9th, I know we're getting out uh, a little bit into the future, but we need to go ahead and start making plans for this, is our Golf for Missions Tournament, April the 9th at the Crescent Golf Course at 1230. It's $60 per golfer and $100 uh, for a whole sponsorship. And the information is in the lobby here of the sanctuary and also the gym. We just always appreciate so much your involvement in that. That helps us raise money. Uh, for our mission efforts. And again, this summer, we'll be going back to Wasilla, Alaska. So thank you for your prayers and support of that. And then don't forget our TBR family retreat coming up March 18th to the 20th. Um, next Sunday is the deadline for the $50 deposit. And there's more information on that in the lobby here of the sanctuary. Uh, Jerry Sullivan has put a sign-up sheet in the lobby uh, for any men, young men, father-son team. Uh, for ushers. And so if you uh, would feel interested in ushering, uh, sign that sheet and we'll, we'll put you to work. So it's always an important ministry, greeters and ushers. A lot of times that's the first line of defense for people that come and visit our church. They are the people that they see first, the ushers and the greeters. So very important ministry. We'd love for you uh, to be a part of that. Now let's turn our attention to uh, God's Word. 
Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to the, his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words that ring true in our heart. That every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There will be many who are ready for that day, Lord. There will be many who are actually doing that now in their everyday life. They're bowing their knee and they're confessing with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. But Father, we know that there are many who are not and will not be ready for that day. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, even if there's one in this room that knows you not and knows not the free pardon of sin in their life. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit do a work in them that would convict them of their sin and see their need for a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus, who came and died and resurrected, that we might live, that we might have fellowship and a relationship with you and have salvation and heaven as our home for all eternity. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. God, we, we, we pray, Lord, for those who are hurting and in need of a touch this morning. We ask, God, that, that you would bring to them healing, help. Lord, that you would bring to them peace and comfort. But most of all, Lord, for people who are finding themselves in situations where they call out to you, that they would see the need to draw closer to you. So, Lord, I pray that you use all of these events in their lives to, to let them know of your love and of your power and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we pray that as we go through this service, that the name of Jesus is lifted up and exalted in our singing and our preaching and our praying and in our listening. And, Father, I pray that all that is done and said in this place this morning bring glory to him. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we continue in worship today? Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk. 
Philippians passage with me again. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory God the Father. Find Genesis 13 in your copy of the scripture as we continue to explore the life of Abraham, who is a model of faith to us. And we're going to look at the subject matter this morning, starting over, starting over. And we will read verses 1 through 18. Now, before we stand for the reading of God's Word, I do want to ask you to pray for Billy Thomas and his family as he has lost a sister who passed away over the weekend. So pray for Billy and Mary Thomas. I know that uh, Kevin mentioned tonight, I do want to say something very important about the land across the road. I, I want you to keep in mind we're not selling all of it. Uh, when that land was purchased, the whole entire block of 35 acres was all that we could buy. The seller was not willing to divide up less. He wanted to sell it. So we bought it, uh, knowing that our goal was to have an equal footprint over there that we have over here. Even with the sale of the property, we will still stay on track with that. Basically, an equal footprint across the road as we have here. We're maintaining that. And uh, with the appreciation of that land over there, what we're selling, Lord willing, we should be able to retire all church debt and even have monies, whatever we develop across the road, uh, should be able to develop much of it debt-free. So quite a blessing. Uh, very exciting report the land steering committee has for you tonight. So uh, we do want to ask you to be in attendance uh, for that. Moving on to next Sunday night. You know, we're told that <clears throat> the number one hindrance that people in church say that they have to sharing the gospel, other than fear, the number one hindrance is how do I transition a conversation when I'm sitting down with somebody at school or work or a neighbor how do I get there how do I get started how do I transition into a gospel conversation 
the North American Mission Board has put out something called Three Circles. And we're going to be looking at that. Three Circles, a very simple way of changing regular conversations into gospel conversations. In fact, so simple, they even give the illustration, you can do it on a rest, restaurant napkin, the three circles approach. So we're going to begin looking at that next Sunday night. I trust you'll attend and uh, help to equip yourself to share your faith with those in your family and your friends and neighbors and co-workers and so forth that you suspect don't have a relationship with Christ. Would you stand for the reading of God's word, please? Starting over, Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13. Beginning there in verse 1 says, So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with him to the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. He journeyed on by stages from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. To the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot who went with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents. So that the land could not support both of them living together. For their possessions were so great that they could not live together. And there was strife between the herders of Abram's livestock and the herders of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites lived in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herders and my herders, for we are kindred. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. Lot looked about him and saw that the plain of the Jordan was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the plain and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, raise your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Rise up, walk through the land, the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. 
Father, thank you for the work that we have seen you do in Abram's life. We thank you for this passage of him starting over. After he had gone down to Egypt during a time of famine. And Lord, you disciplined him there and brought him back. Lord, we thank you that for the believer, your hand is ever upon us. You bless us, you also discipline us. You continue your work in us. As Paul said to the Philippians where he he wrote, I am confident of this very thing that he who hath begun a good work in you will continue it unto the day of Christ. God, we're grateful for your continuing work in us because we are not worthy. Even as Abram was not worthy. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we looked at Abram's sin. We looked at his failure. And you know, folks, it is a good thing that sin and failure do not have to mark the end. Aren't you glad of that? Take the following as an example. An example of failure. When he was 22, he failed in business. When he was 23, he ran for the legislature and lost. When he was 24, he failed in business again. The following year, he was elected to the legislature. When he was 26, his sweetheart died. At the age of 27, he had a nervous breakdown. When he was 29, he was defeated for the post of Speaker of the House in the state legislature. When he was 31, he was defeated as elector. When he was 34, he ran for Congress and lost. At the age of 37, he ran for Congress and finally won. Two years later, he ran again and lost his seat in Congress. At the age of 46, he ran for U.S. Senate and lost. The following year, he ran for vice president and lost that too. He ran for the Senate again and again lost. Finally, at the age of 51, he was elected the president of the United States. Who was this perpetual loser? (laughs) Abraham Lincoln. We saw last week that Abram acted more like a scared little child than somebody referred to as the friend of God. When times got tough, when there was a famine in the land, he ran down to Egypt because of the Nile River and how well watered the land of Egypt was and how fertile the land would be. Even when neighboring nations would be experiencing dryness and famine, Egypt was oftentimes a place that people would go to in times of famine. 
And this is what Abram did. Abram trusted God to lead him from Ur of the Chaldeans into the promised land. But apparently once he got into the promised land he did not trust God to take care of him while he was there. At the first sign of difficulty he ran. And he schemed, he lied and deceived and schemed down in Egypt to save his own skin. He did not forsake God, but apparently he somewhat forgot about God. And he ended up humiliated. And his reputation as a man of God took a hit. But folks, we're going to see that the climate of chapter 13 is entirely different. Abram is starting over again. And we're going to see the steps that he took. When Abram took steps of starting over, God met him and God renewed his promises that he had made earlier to Abram. What we learn from this is how God deals with those who are repentant. The first thing I want you to notice with me this morning in the text is after failure, renew your commitment to God and get back to where you know you belong in your relationship to God. Abram went back to where God had placed him initially and when he got there he renewed his commitment to God again. He got himself back to where he knew God had originally led him and where he was supposed to be. He went back to the land that God had promised to him. And in that place, I want you to notice that he returned to an act of worship. He had built altars there earlier, but we're told in those first four verses that when he got back there, once again, he built an altar to the Lord and he worshiped. Now we saw in chapter 12 how Abram had changed. The man who had been in the practice of building altars and calling on the name of the Lord apparently did none of that while he was down in Egypt. Instead of relying on the Lord in Egypt, apparently he's relying on his own wisdom, his own resources, his own scheming. He seems to be a man who had somewhat lost touch with God. And you know that can often happen when we're tested, right? You know, a test is intended, it should be intended that, that it would strengthen our resolve to know God and serve Him. That's what God does in our lives in and through tests. He refines us like gold, Simon Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. But oftentimes we know the exact opposite happens. We're tested and we go the wrong way. But here he renews the one relationship that should have been kept a priority in his life all along. That's what he's doing here. He's renewing that relationship again. Signified by the fact that once he got back to the land where he was supposed to be, once again he built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. He worshipped. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of what we read in the book of Revelation. What Jesus said about the church at Ephesus. 
the church at Ephesus was still working hard for the Lord. They were going through all the right motions. They were laboring for the Lord. And the Greek phrase used there is they were laboring even to the point of exhaustion. But do you remember what God told them? He said, you've lost your first love. You don't love me anymore the way you did at first. You need to remember how you loved me at first and you need to repent and you need to return to me. That was the invitation that he gave to the church at Ephesus. You look at other churches uh, there in Revelation 2 and 3 and they've done even worse. Some of them had even ventured into lands of heretical doctrine or being like the world around them and God was calling them back to renew their devotion to it that they would get back on track. Abram here is a man who's getting back on track. He seems to be returning to where he knows he should have stayed. And again, calling on the name of the Lord like he did at first. I don't think it's reading too much into the text to say that. And to say that once he got back to the promised land, he probably did some pretty hefty soul searching as he's calling on the name of the Lord. And you know what? I think perhaps there are those here today who need to do what Abraham did here. You need to get back to a place where you were earlier in your relationship with God and something has happened in life. It, it may just be that you've gotten busy about life. Commitments have crowded in, responsibilities, all kinds of things going on in your life. And you didn't mean to get away from where God wanted you to be, but you just have. For others, it may be worse than that. Maybe you have ventured into to some bad areas. But God's been working on you to draw you back. That's the loving hand of God doing that. Because folks, we do falter. We do get off track. Sometimes we'll even rationalize why we took certain detours. Some people here this morning might be in your own Egypt, so to speak. And you've been there long enough. It is time to return. And the amazing thing is how God meets us in a place like that. Later on in the book of Genesis, if we were to keep reading much later, we would see how Jacob did much the same. And you remember after he had spent time with Laban and Laban had tricked him. And uh, finally he packs up uh, his, his two wives, Leah and, and Rachel and all his belongings and he heads out. He leaves and Laban catches up with him and they have sort of a confrontation and then make peace. But then what does God tell Jacob to do? He says, Jacob, you need to go back to Bethel. You remember what Bethel was? Bethel was that original place when he was on the run from Esau, his brother. And he spent the night at a place. And, and all of a sudden in the night, you know, he had that uh, dream. And he saw the angels going up and down. He woke up and he said, I did not know that this was Bethel, the house of God. And he set that rock there and he remembered that place. Some of you need to get back to your Bethel. Or like Abram, you need to leave Egypt. 
And aren't you glad how God meets you and helps you? You know, I think also of King David in, in Psalm 51. When David, you know, Psalm 32 records for us how miserable David was after he had committed sin with Bathsheba. How everything within him was just dried up. He was the most miserable man around. And then Nathan confronts him in his sin. And he goes before God in confession. And he says in Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You know where you are, don't you? We know where we are when we're away from God and when we're committing sin. Just like David said here, I know what my transgressions are. And my sin is ever before me against you, you alone, O Lord. Have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight so that you're justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. I was born guilty. I was a sinner from my mother's womb when she conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom and in my secret heart purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you've crushed rejoice hide your face from my iniquities and blot out all uh, my iniquities create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me and you know what God did just that with King David David started over. Abram started over here. You can start over. God is a merciful God who allows his people to start over. Amen. That's the type of God that he is. I wonder who I might be talking to this morning. If we were to look at Genesis 12 and Genesis 13. You're back there in 12 somewhere where, where Abram was when he was running down to Egypt. And, and you need to be more in Genesis 13 now. You've been in your Egypt long enough. You've been disconnected from God long enough. You've been trusting in yourself and your resources long enough. And it's time to come back to the Lord. And you know what you need to do. You need to do something about it. You need to get up, leave where you are, so to speak, in your spiritual life. Get back to where you once were in your relationship to God. You need to do some confession. You need to do some soul searching. You need to start over again. In other words, there needs to be some definite steps in repentance. Folks, repentance doesn't mean just telling God you're sorry and then going back to just whatever you've been doing. Repentance is an about face. And you know, it's interesting what Jesus said at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark where he said, repent, the kingdom of God is near. Folks, think about that. In Christ, 
Christ is the final and complete way that God has spoken to mankind. And in Christ and through Christ, the kingdom of God is a step closer than it's ever been before. In other words, you and I have more reason to repent now than ever before because God in Christ has come closer. He's condescended to us. And so we need to live in repentance. And the wonderful news is that God will meet you there. God will strengthen you. God will give you wisdom, the direction to go. Call on the name of the Lord the way Abram did. Well, the second thing I want you to see, repentance should produce a changed life with different values. Look, look again at verses 5 and, and following where, where we see differences between Lot and Abram. I won't read all the uh, verses again right now, but, but in these verses we, we see sort of a running commentary of a difference between Abram and Lot. After Abram leaves Egypt and and when he got back to the land where God had originally called him to be, we see an immediate difference in him. God has produced a change in him. There's little doubt in my mind that Abram comes back different from Egypt than the way he went down there. In Egypt, Abram had been a man who grabbed He looked out for himself. He was willing to compromise his wife and his marriage and even his own integrity to save his own skin. But we look in these verses right here and we see that Abram is exactly the opposite. He's unselfish. He's benevolent. He's caring. He's giving. Now we know that by this time Abram has been made a very wealthy man in Egypt and so has Lot. And so when they come back to the Negev, a very barren, dry, desert-like part of the promised land, that particular area of what's later to be Israel can't support the wealth of these two men, the flocks and the herds that they have. You know, when they, when they came back to Canaan, they were faced with a challenge that a lot of people only dream of having. It's the challenge of having too much. It's the challenge of abundance. I mean, look at how wealthy they are. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with wealth. Money or wealth is, some people say it's the root of evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. It is the love of money, the love of possessions. That's the root of all evil. Some of the most faithful people in the Bible were wealthy people. But some people can't handle that, this this abundance, and and it can blind them. You know, Jesus spoke about that. He said it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. Riches can blind us. And that's why Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves destroy. Do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't be blinded by abundance. You see, that's going to be Lot's issue. 
that's going to be Lot's problem as we see here. The wealth of Abraham and Lot caused strife between their servants. I think a number of years ago, the enormous wealth of Paul McCartney, one of the Beatles, he was worth something like a billion dollars or more, and he and his estranged wife, I mean, they were fighting in the courts over millions and millions of dollars, grabbing. That's what money can do to people sometimes who don't have the character to deal with it. And, and, and we see here the, the fighting and the arguing going on among uh, Lot's people and Abram's people. And, and you know, probably some of you in the church have witnessed uh, people you know doing stuff like this. I remember one of the sweetest couples in the world in my first church out of seminary. They, they were kind of like adoptive grandparents to, to Connie and me. And she was such a sweetheart of a lady. But her parents died and her siblings, I mean, they, when they got a hold of the inheritance, they changed everything. They completely cut her out. She was deeply hurt by it all. But you know what? She let it go. But what I'm saying is you, prob you probably know how abundant, you probably know somebody that's really been challenged with abundance. But I want you to notice Abram, how he handles things. Such a picture of grace. He's the older party here. He, he's the senior in the group. He's the one, just by social customs of the day, should have had first choice. And he's the one, let's not forget, that God has promised the, the promised land to. But what do we see Abram doing? Look at verse 8 and following. Abram tells Lot, Lot, you know what? Let the choice be yours. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot, just look, look, look out at the land. Let, let's don't fight. Let's don't have our people fighting. We're brothers. We're kin folks. We're family. You take what you want. First choice I, I, I'm giving to you. Now, folks, what I'm saying, do you, do you see a change here between Abram now and where he was last week? When we looked at him down in Egypt trying to save his skin and, and get everything he can, trying to protect himself? You know, I think a couple of things have happened here. First of all, God's tested him. He's failed the test. He paid the consequences. God has taken Abram to the woodshed, enacted a little bit of divine discipline on him. You know, God does that with his children. He disciplines those that he loves. And, and then as a result of that discipline, Abram has listened and learn from it and he's come back and he's a changed man he reconnects with God his spiritual life is in order again and as a result of that he is a different type of individual and folks isn't that how we're supposed to be as believers we're supposed to be different if we're walking with the Lord we're supposed to be different than the world 
We're a peculiar people. We're strangers and pilgrims passing through. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. We are to reflect that change. And by the way, we're a witness to people around us of that. It says here that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were, were still in the land. So they're probably watching all of this conflict that's been between Abram's people and Lot's people. They're judging all that and they're looking at how Abram is now responding. What a lesson of maturity. He's a changed person. If you claim to belong to God and there's no change in your life, you better do some heavy soul searching. I think of Zacchaeus who climbed up in that sycamore tree to see Jesus. And Jesus said, come down Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus came to faith in Christ. And you remember what Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a robber and a traitor of his people. He was despised. He stands up and he says, Lord, if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to repay him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house today. He was a changed man. Does your life reflect a change? Maybe even as a Christian, you got away from God, got too much like the world, and God's calling you back now that you're back, hopefully, like Abram, that, that change is seen again. Folks, there's supposed to be a change. We're not supposed to be like, like everybody else around us in the world. We're, we're to be different. We're to be distinct. There, there's to be a noticeable difference. And again, I just see Abram here being a wonderful model of that, the way he's acting now. And you know, he's also being a peacemaker, isn't he? And you remember what Jesus said in the Beatitudes about that? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. Paul says that Christians ought to work hard to preserve the unity of the faith and the bond of peace. And that's what Abram's doing. And the beautiful thing to see here is that the choice was Abram's to make. But he relinquishes over his rights to lot. We read it earlier at the beginning of the service. Turn with me over to Philippians 2 again. Uh, in Philippians 2, Paul says there in, in verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or exploited but he emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross you see what Paul is saying to the Philippians there we need to be like Christ 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to Christ. But what did he do? He emptied himself and went to the cross for your sake and my sake. He emptied himself in the incarnation. He condescended to us. And while he walked on this earth in, in, in flesh uh, like us, in temptations and everything, and yet without sin, he ended up going to the cross and dying for us. He, you see what he gave up? For your sake and my sake, for our salvation. And Paul is saying to the church, that's how we're to be with each other. We're not to look after ourselves. We're to put others first. And that's what Abram is doing with Lot. Here, Lot. The inheritance, the promise of God is to me, but I'm making the choice your. You take, you take whatever you want, even the best. And I'll just take whatever you, you leave. Whatever direction you don't want to go, I'll go. Folks, where does that type of change come from? That type of change only comes from a man who has experienced God. Amen? Because so much in the world is what? Grab. Take. Mine. I want this position. I want that. I want the best here. I want the best. I want... But here's a man exemplifying God in his life and relinquishing things to Lot. Very clearly, we have two different kinds of men here altogether. Abram is a changed man. Lot apparently is not changed yet. He's very carnal. He lifts up his eyes, sees the best land. That's what he picks. Lot wants it all. He wants the best. And you know, the Jews had a saying that a man who's not content, who wants everything in the world, would be like somebody drinking ocean water. He's thirsty and he drinks ocean water. And the more he drinks, I mean, yes, the more he drinks, the thirstier he gets. The thirstier he gets, the more he drinks until finally he kills himself drinking ocean water. Lot pitches his tents toward Sodom. Boy, there's, there's a whole nother sermon in that, right? I mean, we could really camp out on that one for a long time. Maybe we will at some other point. But let me mention some things about Lot by way of contra, contrast to Abram that we see here. Because again, Abram's life is now oriented toward God. God's word is his anchor. He, he had wandered from that commitment. God disciplined. God brought him back. Now he's grounded again. Lot, on the other hand, is carnal. He makes his decisions based on what he sees, what looks good to him. And the decisions he makes are going to end up costing him far more than he would have ever bargained for. You know, here we see Lot pitching his tents towards Sodom. In Genesis 14, you know what we're going to see? We're going to see Lot living in Sodom. 
By Genesis 19, you know what we're going to see? That he is sitting at the gate of the city. In other words, apparently Lot is now one of the elders of that area. You see that downward spiral in Lot? And sadly, Lot, even though here he is, family with Abram, Abram the friend of God, the man of faith, Lot's life is apparently not really influencing anybody in Sodom. Now, the New Testament points out something in 2 Peter. Even it, it tells us that Lot was tormented by what he saw. Apparently he believed in the God of Abraham. He just made carnal choices. And you know what? That can happen with believers. We make wrong choices somewhere in the process. We tend to know down deep inside we're not making the right choices. And from what the New Testament says of Lot, I have a feeling that's probably him. He wakes up somewhere down the road, probably is regretting later on some of his earlier choices. His daughters uh, end up marrying men of Sodom. His wife falls in love with Sodom to the point she doesn't want to leave the place when they're told to get out. She looks back and her life is, is taken. Lot loses just about everything except his own life in Sodom even before the place is destroyed in chapter 14 it's attacked Lot loses everything Abram's going to have to come and rescue him and yet it was these fields when he gazed out eastward toward the plain the cities of the plain and he saw Sodom that's what he wanted and that's what he grasped a hold of. You know, I think the Bible is telling us something here. Beware of choices you make that just look good to you for the moment. Is God in it? Don't be carnally minded. Don't judge by appearances. Don't desire things of the world just because they look good. You might end up paying a high price. And again, Abram, on the other hand, unselfish, relinquishes over his, his rights. You, you see what I'm saying here? The difference in these two men? How different how different they are. Abram's got a changed life and, and we see that in his values now and Lot, he's just not there. He's not there. He's, he's, he's not there with, with uh, Abram. Again, he, from the New Testament, he's a follower of God too, but you couldn't find a greater gap probably between two men than Abram and Lot. Totally different values. If you've repented and gotten right with God and got back to where you are, uh, where God would have you to be, there should be a difference in your values and in your life. In school, a difference 
between you and your friends who don't know Christ or those who aren't walking with Christ. They may profess Him, but they're not walking with Him. Should be a difference. At work, should be a difference between a man or a woman of God who's walking with God where God wants them in their life and those who aren't really serious about a relationship. Should be totally different values and a way of life. Is that seen in you and me? Thirdly, when repentance is in place, we'll often discover the presence of God in a renewed way. Look at verses 14 to 18. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, raise your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Rise up, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Through repentance and devotion that's renewed in Abram's life, God has repeated his promises to Abram all over again. He's he's back in the land where he's supposed to be. He's calling on the name of the Lord. He's become a man of worship. His life is anchored in God again. He's living out his faith. He's showing the fruit of the Spirit and how he's treated Lot, his nephew. What does God do for Abram? He renews his promises to Abram. Isn't that great? God reminds Abram of his inheritance. Folks, don't tell me that God doesn't see your heart and my heart. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Abram got himself back where God wanted him, got his life right, and God, and God said, Abram, it's not too late. And see, that's what you need to know too. You repent and get your life back where where Christ wants you. He's not going to say, too late. You missed your chance. I'm done with you. God is long-suffering and merciful. And he starts over with us. And he reminds us of his great promises to those who belong to him. Amen. I want to give you just a few lessons in closing. I hope you'll write these down. If you've gotten away from God, go back to those former days when your devotion was stronger. If there's any period in your life that you recall that you were stronger in your devotion to God than you are right now, you need to get back to that day. You need to get back. And chances are you know what you need to do to get back. Don't stay where you are. Remember from where you've fallen. Again, just like Jesus told the church at Ephesus. Remember from where you've fallen and repent and do what you did at first. Renew that devotion that you had 
when your walk with the Lord was so much stronger than it is now. Get back to those days. A second lesson, examine your life to see the evidence of change. If there's, if there's no change in your life, and never has been any change in your life, you really need to do some soul searching. Have you even come to faith in Christ? But if you know you have and there was change, but you've gotten back to the world, you, you need to see that, that your life has become too much like the world and, and, and you need to do some soul searching so that there can be that change in you that used to be there. When people look at you, there ought to be a difference. There ought to be a difference they see in you and me than what they see in the world. And then a third lesson. Know that when renewal and repentance are a part of our lives, the blessings of God are very real. When renewal and repentance are a part of our lives, the blessings of God are very real. God's not going to keep reminding you of past shortcomings. You can move forward with the assurance that God is with you. Would you stand please? Lord, I thank you that last week we were able to see... Abram faltering because by seeing a saint of God in the Bible falter, this week we get to see that same saint starting over again. What a testimony to us. Lord, there's not a one of us in here that can't identify with these ups and downs in a walk of faith. We, we've been there. This is what life is like. We start out grand so oftentimes. Make commitments. There's change. No doubt that we belong to you. And then we get off track. And then something happens and we realize the need to get back. And we do. And you bless us all over again. God, you're so good that you bless us all over again. You're long-suffering, you're merciful, you're kind and gracious and benevolent. Thank you that you allow us to start over. And Lord, I just believe I'm speaking to somebody here this morning, that you're speaking to them through the power of your Spirit, that they need to start over. They've been in Egypt long enough. They need to be renewed. And that change that you once did in them, it needs to be seen again. God, speak to that person here today. Do a work in them that is unmistakable. That it's the moving of your Holy Spirit in their lives. And I pray that it would be a testimony to people around them. That people around them would have to... Sit back and just give the glory and the honor to you at the difference you've made in their life. We pray these things in Jesus' name.